Welcome into a special Sunday edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, and guess what? Nobody is available today. No one's available on a Sunday to talk football, so we went deep, deep into the bench to get the man himself uh, to defend his own honor for uh, losing a fan, Coach Brown, Brandon Brown, from uh, the Michigan rival site, and also known as the Wolverine. Coach, how you doing today? I'm good, man. I wondered if the fan thing was going to come up. I know it's been a little while, but uh, you, I'm sure your loyal readers probably remember well. Oh yeah, everybody remembers. And guess what? The air conditioning broke in my house this week, and your name was being cursed <laughs> uh, left and right. So, it'll never die. My air conditioner broke on Thursday. Luckily, we bounced back. And guess what? I had a window unit that I had in the attic when I bought the house. I kept it in the garage. People said, Woody, you're a hoarder. What are you saving this old air conditioner for? And guess what? I popped her right in the window. Fired it up and we were uh, we were cooling off in no time. So sorry, uh, Mrs. Walmack. Yeah, there's your there's your fan update. All right, moving on. Uh, we want to go through this is where we do this on Sundays now is we're going to go through the top 25 games, talk about uh, each of them almost in a lightning round type format, just to give you guys our thoughts on the games because we come out so late in the week that it often feels like uh, we're stale talking about them then. So uh, let's run through them, Coach. We have Miami and LSU tonight. Well, obviously, we're not going to be able to talk about that game. Uh, I got Miami winning. I think we picked it earlier in the week. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, too. Looking forward to watching it. Um, you know, the only game, I think the only game on today, maybe one got postponed to today or something. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Miami in that one. Now, East Carolina is playing right now. They're in a dogfight. That's them. right. Yeah, I think that was the one that got postponed to today because of the weather from yesterday. Yeah, I, I wish they would have played a Nebraska game today. I was excited they were talking about that. And I was like, man, I'm going to get up and watch Nebraska. And then next thing you know, it's canceled. So Yeah, I saw that, too. It was supposed to be like 1030. That would have been a good start to the day, but whatever. All right. All right. Wisconsin beat Western Kentucky 34 to three. Big whoop, right? Nothing to really take away from that one. Yeah, I don't think so. Nothing big. I mean, kind of expected and, you know, expect Jonathan Taylor to continue to have a big season this year. How about UCF? Oh, 56 to 17. Rob Cassidy foolishly thinking that UConn was going to cover a 24 point spread. Laughable, right? Right. Who's that quarterback they got? That kid from Hawaii, right? Chucking it all over the place still. Oh, Mackenzie Milton, Heisman yeah, candidate. Yeah. He, yep, he's, yep, yep. The, he's the real deal. What's funny about him is uh, Scott Frost could not talk Mark Helfrich into taking him at Oregon. <laughs> he committed to Hawaii. Scott Frost gets the job at UCF and somehow flips him from Hawaii, which was insane to think about how far it is from Hawaii to Orlando in terms of him making a trip. But he, he plays as a freshman. And I think, as I continue to say, if you're a Nebraska fan looking at what UCF's been able to do and, and without Frost there, they're going to keep rolling, uh, in my opinion. So obviously I'm a little biased on that one because uh, yeah. that's where I went to school. Now, this game, I know you watched a lot of this one, Coach. Michigan State, uh, number 11, in a dogfight with Utah State. What happened? It looked like they were going to lose, right? Right. I actually didn't see as much of it as I hoped I would. I was at a game in Cleveland, a high school game, watching a Michigan commit. But I caught the, I don't know, the last six minutes of it or so. when Yeah, when Utah State took the lead late, uh, looked like they were going to win. But obviously, Michigan State kind of battled back. That's kind of their MO, man. They do this every year, I feel like. They come out. Some team they're supposed to beat big time, they lose to them or they, they you know, they claw to a, an ugly win and then they, oh, ho-hum, they go on and win 10 or 11 games. I mean, <laughs> except for two seasons ago when they went three and nine, they seem to do this like every season. What's incredible is Utah State only had 25 yards rushing on 25 carries uh, and, the, and their quarterback... <laughs> 
and their quarterback didn't throw a touchdown and threw two interceptions. I mean, how, you look at the box score and you're like, how did they, how was this even close? What happened? Uh, but there yeah. was a, a pick six, right? And then it was just kind of a weird game. Yeah, I was oh, going to say, I didn't, I didn't see enough of it to know the, the ins and outs of that. Like I said, I just caught the very end. I thought the quarterback for Utah State looked like he knew what he was doing at that portion of the game, but it sounds like he didn't do much the rest of the way. So, yeah, I don't know. One of those ones that I think Michigan State was favored by, what, like 25 or something and, and barely got it done. So, yeah, kind of an odd odd opener. Are you, uh, as as our resident Big Ten expert, you think this is a, a sign of things to come or you're not sweating? Because, uh, uh, like you said, they do tend to struggle early in the year. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, they they return a lot of players. I think Brian Lewerke is one of the bigger, better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And I don't know, just a little rust maybe. It kind of You see it across the board from a lot of teams that end up playing better down the stretch. And I, I think I didn't know much about Utah State going in, but I remember reading that they returned like 17 or 18 starters across the board. So they're an experienced team. And, you know, that was probably their Super Bowl. So it, it happens that way sometimes. I remember the first time I got to know Utah State, they were playing Oregon. I must have been in high school, and I went over to somebody's house that had like a satellite because you remember back in the day you couldn't watch all these games, and uh, they had the game on. I remember it must have been Maurice Morris or somebody like that broke off a big run, and the lady whose house we were at, she was like, what is it? What is an Aggie? You know, and she was like, what is that? Because that's their uh, – and someone's like, oh, I think it's a cow, and she goes, oh, well – here comes Maurice Morris. Move over. <laughs> what okay. a line. Stuck with me that's, for 20 years. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> Big shot, Pam Ewing. Um, all right, moving on. Stanford, San Diego State. This one was close early. So San Diego State got a 7 nothing lead, but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, from, from where you used to be, actually where your coaching days began, coach, right down there in South Carolina. Do you remember him from high school? I remember the name. Uh, I mean, I probably know it honestly more now from from him in college than I did when he was in high school. But yeah, that's interesting. Go South Carolina shout out. How about this? Six catches for two hundred twenty six yards and three touchdowns. And imagine if you had ranked him as a three star, how dumb you would feel. Uh, that's me and Officer Friedman. What's crazy is you go back and look at some of these guys that we ranked. And you look at their profiles, and you and I wrote about him like ten times, putting him on top performers, saying how good he was and whatnot. I'm like, well, why didn't I rank him higher? Uh, gotta wonder sometimes he's slipped through the cracks. So, uh, Stanford won that one 31 to 10. They lost to San Diego state last year. And as I said, they were trailing early. So a uh, big win for them. Uh, I'm sure you didn't see any of that one. <laughs> so. uh, so, yeah. I saw recap highlights. Saw some guy for San Diego state that had a ton of speed, which not super surprising. They'll find little guys like that, but yeah, don't, I didn't, I didn't watch much of that one. All right. Oregon bowling green, the ducks win 58 to 24 game that, uh, Bowling Green kind of hung around. I think Justin Herbert came out of the game because they thought it was a blowout, and then he had to come back because the backup was so bad. Uh, Never a good look, the bench, and then reinsert the starter. I mean, you know, no offense to Braxton Burmeister, but I think we have the book on him. He has struggled by – I mean, when he went out, when he came in last year for Herbert, when Herbert got hurt, he was bad. So I think as long as Herbert's healthy, uh, Oregon's good. Herbert threw five touchdowns in that game. I only had ten completions, so that's <laughs> – that tells you the kind of game uh, he had. And uh, Oregon's got a really easy schedule to start the season, so they'll probably have some more stat lines like that. Uh, Alabama-Louisville, I did watch a lot of this one, 51-14. to 14. Uh, Boy, some people thought the game would be under 61.5 points. A late touchdown by Louisville puts it over. Uh, 
This one, as I've been saying for the last, I don't know, two months, uh, whenever Louisville comes up, I expected Alabama to hammer him in this game. Jawan Pass, a polarizing figure as a high school recruit, struggled mightily. Did you watch any of this one, Coach? Yeah, I caught a good bit of this one. It was on uh, about the same time as the Michigan game, which I was obviously paying very close attention to. So it was on in the background, kind of saw it. Alabama doing what Alabama does. Yeah, Pass, I remember following his recruitment a little bit where he was just this big, strong athlete guy could throw it a long way, but it sounds like uh accuracy issue is still kind of a problem for him. And um, I don't know, man, Alabama is just going to do what they do all the way to the end of the season, but do not, do not ask Nick Saban about his quarterback situation. Don't do it. Yeah. Boy, give me a break. I wrote about that. In, <laughs> what I, I about wrote about, yeah. I went on Twitter last, I was mad. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, you know, our girl Maria Taylor, a true a consummate professional. I right. mean, that was here's the thing. That was not a hard question. Like, I could understand if he did that in the post game press conference when, you know, local newspaper guys like, so do you have a defined starter for next week or whatever? But the question he has to ask, Maria lobs him a softball. You know, what answers did you get? All he had to say was, you know, hey, we already knew the answers. We got two great quarterbacks, uh, best two quarterbacks in the nation, in my opinion, blah, blah, blah. And we're on to the next, right? Yep. So yeah, I mean, he, she, she, she didn't, she didn't probe. She didn't say make a decision. She just, like you said, lob, lobbed him one. Really, she could easy, easy answer would have been just say, good, say something good about each of them, and, and that's it. And then just go to the next one. I don't, I don't understand why he got so, so upset about that question. Yeah, and then, and then, of course, the word leaked through Jim Miller, who did the podcast on him, or James Andrew Miller, I think is what he goes by, that he apologized to her today. And guess what? He should have apologized. Uh, and and I like the way she handled it. She didn't make it a big deal. A lot of people took up for her on Twitter, uh, including myself. I, I agreed that, that he was at it. I mean, that was it's not a good look. I mean, now you can't go on and on and talk about these players and how they need to be respectful and whatnot. And she asks, in my opinion, is a respectful question. And then he, you know freaks out about it so sorry Alabama fans I'm, I'm on their side uh but this game was just a blot from the get-go I mean out, speaking of rushing Louisville 26 carries for 16 yards which including pass I mean obviously sacks count in there but he only had uh he had zero yards rushing on on eight attempts I'm not sure how many sacks they were credited Alabama was only credited with oh I guess three so I mean you know but 20 of 39 passing two touchdowns two interceptions I think it's going to be a long season for Louisville uh, in terms of the quarterback situation, it looks like two is the guy, and uh, Jalen's going to get some time. But w- wouldn't you agree that that uh, it's it's all it's the two a show, right? I think so. I mean, he he's. I don't really know I, at this point. I don't really know why you play Jalen Hurts. It's clear that two is a much better passer, and I don't even know if he's. I don't even know if you lose anything with the running ability that he brings too. I mean, I know Hurts is is definitely probably more apt to run, but I don't know if he's all that much better at it, to be honest with you. I mean, both of them are pretty speedy, pretty well-built guys, and Tua can clearly get it done with his legs too. So, I, I mean, I think if if Saban keeps playing Hurts a little bit here and there, it might just be not to hurt his feelings because I, I don't think Tua needs to come out. That's that's what I saw. Yeah, I agree with you there. Mac Jones made a late appearance as well, fr- oh, friend boy. of the show. Yeah, former podcast guest. Made me wonder, do we think – that uh, maybe they're getting maximum reps in case Jalen is to leave. Ooh, how's that? How's that for controversy, huh? I mean, I don't know how you, I, I don't know how, I don't know how Jalen Hurts couldn't be looking at that route. I mean, it seems pretty much uh, yeah, a foregone conclusion that he's going to be riding pine for a while. 
All right, moving on. Clemson uh, played Furman. It only took Trevor Lawrence one quarter to get in the game. And now we have, speaking of quarterback controversies, they're going to Texas A&M next week. Who's going to start? Trev, Trev the, uh, also known as the greatest football player of all time uh, on this podcast, 9 of 15, 137, and three touchdowns. He was a little shaky early. I'm sure you definitely didn't watch this game, Coach. This was on local TV. If, if uh, with, my, with my six TV setup, if a game is on over the air, I'll check it out. This game was on, you know, hook up the old end. So I watched Trevor play. He looked good, man. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's almost a, a similar situation. Bryant, definitely the better runner. Uh, but but there's no question that that uh, Trev's, got, Trev's going to take this job. It's just a matter of uh, when, not if. So I actually did watch this game. My wife is, um, a, you know, we're, we're kind of backseat Clemson fans, I guess, if you will, because we lived there for a while. So it's it's still something that we're kind of intrigued by. And obviously... I was curious about Trevor Lawrence to see if he got to play and what he would do while he was in there, and he didn't disappoint. I think he threw three touchdowns, right? I mean, and not not even a complete game. Obviously, the opponent was Furman, whatever, but uh, he looks like the real deal. And another uh, another friend of the podcast, right? He was one of your guys, too, back when he was still in high school. Yeah, previous guest, all types of podcasts. Back when we used to have guests on the show that uh, that didn't work for Rivals uh, until it became too much of a distraction, I believe, was <laughs> – Cassidy is the only person that would get that joke, and he doesn't listen to the own show. So, uh, anyway, Trev's the man. We'll see how he progresses going forward. But Clemson looks like the real deal. Uh, Austin P in Georgia, uh, another one. Georgia actually started out slow in this when it was causing some consternation in the press box when it was only ten to nothing. They went forty-five to nothing. Uh, Justin Fields got in the game. Uh, Demetrius Robertson had a huge performance. So, uh, I mean, or not a huge performance. He got in uh, with a package with Fields and had a 72-yard touchdown run. So, Georgia's got some weapons on offense, and, and James Cook played. I mean, I, I think uh, I think the old Bulldogs fans should be happy. And I, I don't think – I personally think we're going to make it through the year without a contra- quarterback controversy for Georgia. But uh, what's your outside look, Coach? Could you see uh, – <clears throat> could you see Fields taking over? I don't know why you go away from Fromm when he did what he did last year. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Fields is really talented. It's another, yeah, another one of those things where you just got a full cupboard and you kind of you want to see what he can do and you get the young guy in there. And it's not it's not exactly like Jake Fromm's the uh, the old grizzled veteran at this point anyway. So I, you know, it's a good problem to have when you're recruiting like that and you've got all these five star guys that can play and have proven that they can play. So I don't know why you go away from Fromm, but it's obviously intriguing that you got a guy like Fields right there and. I don't know. Well, I don't know how much you really saw going up against Austin P, but it's pretty clear that both of them are are pretty talented and 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 still both pretty young. Yeah, so we'll see how much Fields plays next week against South Carolina in one of the best games of the week for sure. Uh, Ohio State, Oregon State, seventy seven thirty one. The Buckeyes win, and uh, it was it was actually Oregon State was hanging around early. I mean, I, I was I was kind of interested. We had the lightning delay, and then obviously the blowout was on. I think uh, you know. From Ohio State's perspective, their offense looked great. I think they're probably unhappy about giving up so many points, but uh, with everything that's going on, I'm sure they were happy to play the game and 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 move on. Uh, do, do any you have any anything to add to that one, Coach? Yeah, I saw. I watched it a little bit. It got ugly, you know. After probably, like you said, hung, Oregon State hung around for maybe a quarter. I think they scored. I think they matched Ohio State, or maybe even went up seven nothing. I can't remember exactly how it started, but. It didn't take long for it to get out of hand. The lightning delay kind of threw things off a little bit. But Dwayne Haskins looks like a you know 
an upgrade over JT Barrett in terms of playing the quarterback position a little bit more traditionally. He's not the runner that Barrett was, but he can really throw it. They got weapons everywhere. They can throw three, four running backs in there who can all get it done. Um, defensive line is nasty. Obviously a team I'm going to be watching closely from the Big Ten, but um, yeah, 77 points is pretty crazy, even though they did give up you know, more than they probably wanted. But a big yeah, win, man. lots of distractions. Ryan Day seemed like he did a good job stepping in as the interim, so um, I'm sure Buckeye fans are are pretty pleased. Yeah, the uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy to see how many running backs they have. Master Teague, the four star freshman from uh, down here in the in the southeast from Tennessee, he busted off a big run. He looks like he's going to get some playing time. And ter- who would have thought? Of all people, Terry McLaurin, four catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, he only had about 500 career yards coming into the game receiving. He's a senior, so they're they're loaded. They're going to throw the ball out. Haskins threw five touchdowns, so uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, – they're going to put up big numbers all year. Washington and Auburn, I went to this game, Coach. I was there live, right. and boy, was it boring. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess it was just because there were so many mistakes. Uh, there were a lot of fumbles, uh, a lot of red zone problems, missed field goals. I mean, a lot of field goals in general. Washington, it felt to me like Auburn should have been up by about three touchdowns, and then it felt to me like Washington should have been up by three touchdowns. Uh, and it came down to the very end. The Tigers get the win, a huge win over Washington, who was number six in the country. This was a marquee matchup. And once again, the problem, uh, Washington is without their left tackle, and this is an issue we always have. We had the Pac-12 teams come down and play the teams from the SEC, and it just seems like, you know, the SEC defensive lines always win out uh, when it comes to that battle. Washington's offense didn't didn't do a ton. I mean, Browning had 296 yards passing, but it didn't really seem like that. Uh, you know, Washington only averaged three yards a carry on 33 carries. So uh, I, I think I, it, thought, I was going to say, I thought the same thing coming in. We were talking, me and the coworkers were talking about who we thought would win that one. And first of all, it was. I mean, you were there, so you can speak to this. It probably felt like a home game for Auburn being where it was played. And then, you know, Miles Gaskin, he's probably all of a buck 80, soaking wet, trying to go up against that that, uh, that defensive line for Auburn. Like you said, the running game wasn't really effective for Washington. But, yeah, 21-16, I can imagine not uh, full of fireworks, but still a big matchup, two top 10 teams. Um, I thought Auburn would win going in. I think if it was maybe on the flip side, you know, maybe if Auburn had to go all the way out to – you know, California and play a, a, a semi-neutral site game or somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest there that it might be a little different, but uh, probably, yeah, played out how I thought it would. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Washington's got a great atmosphere at their stadium there and it definitely would be a, would be a fun would fun to see that. I, I, you know, I, I like these neutral site games. I like to go to them, but I definitely think the, the on-campus atmosphere is much more fun, uh, even when you're there watching, when you're playing, when you're watching on TV. It was definitely almost all Auburn fans. They played their last three games in the, in the Mercedes-Benz Dome, which is crazy to think. I think they've played more, you know, more or as many games there as the Falcons have uh, over the last, like, seven months or something. So uh, they're getting, uh, getting used to it there, and they had a big win for them. I picked Washington to make the playoff. I saw some people saying they're not out of it yet, so uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, moving on, Oklahoma FAU. People, this game was a trendy pick for uh, you know the fake news media. Uh, 
thinking that this game was going to be close. Instead, 63 to 14, it was immediately a blowout. Kyler Murray, 209 yards and two touchdowns passing, nine of 11. I mean, pretty impressive. And this was out of hand almost instantly. I, I didn't pay much attention to it after after seeing how bad it was. Uh, did you you got any thoughts on it, Coach? Yeah, just you know, saw Kyler Murray running around like he was in a video game, and FAU couldn't really do anything. What was it like? Uh, forty-two nothing at halftime. So yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much a wrap from there. Sorry, uh, the fight in Lane Kiffins. They they didn't really uh they didn't really have a whole lot for them for the Sooners. Now they did the same thing happened last year. They played Wisconsin to open the year. They got hammered, and then they came back and just smoked uh, Conference USA uh, and and some other teams they played. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, I was surprised. You know, FAU kind of bantied about who was going to play quarterback. Chris Robeson wins the job. Uh, he, he, you know, the former Oklahoma signee who got kicked off the team and he went in there and they, they hammered him pretty quickly. Also Rafe Peavy appeared, DeAndre Johnson. So listen to their three quarterbacks were, were Robeson who signed with Oklahoma and was a four-star Peavy who signed with Arkansas and was a four-star already transferred to, uh, SMU before he came to FAU. And then DeAndre Johnson, who was a four-star and signed with Florida State, obviously got kicked off the team after uh, that incident where he punched a woman in the face at the bar. So, uh, you know, FAU, they have, ta- they have talent. If you look at guys that were ranked in high school, uh, Javon Durante, who is a – or maybe it's Durant, I forget how to pronounce it. He was a four-star, went to West Virginia. So uh, they still got plenty of talent, just it wasn't in the cards for them this week. Uh, Penn State, App State. Now, now, Coach, I missed this game entirely which I'm sad. I was trying to follow along. I was trying to pull up the game. Was it on Big Ten Network? It was. Man, I've had a, I've had a heck of a time with Big Ten Network. They pulled it out of uh, the non-Big Ten states only to have me take to Twitter and uh, complain alongside your former friend and co-worker, uh, Tim Sullivan. And guess what? Reinstated a mere 12 hours after my complaint tweet. I'm sure I had a big impact uh, but I still couldn't figure out how to get it pulled up on streaming. The, uh, the the Comcast website doesn't seem to have it up there yet. So I was I was struggling chasing this one. Ends up going to overtime. App State scored twenty eight points in the fourth quarter. I mean, uh, you know, which which helped us get to overtime. What's going on with Penn State, man? Coach, you you watched? I'm sure you were shocked as a child when Michigan lost to App State uh, <laughs> that year. So- but, uh, so this was this was the ten year anniversary of that game, be it, believe it or not, when Michigan was number five and lost to App State when they were they weren't even D one at the time. And yeah, every Michigan fan everywhere hates seeing the replays of that one. But I mean, App State, man, they they like you said, they poured it on in the fourth quarter, scored twenty eight points, and actually they they should have won this game. They were up um, by seven with a minute or a minute and a half or maybe less than a minute, not very much time left. They kick it off. Uh, a local kid, KJ Hamler, uh, from from a Metro Detroit area kid. I watched a ton in high school. Catches the ball three, four yards deep in the end zone. Hesitates, hesitates, decides to bring it out. Runs the kickoff back about fifty five yards, setting Penn State up for the go ahead touchdown, which he caught as well. So a huge final drive for KJ Hamler to tie it up, and then in overtime, uh, you know, Penn State just kind of did what they did and 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 shut App State down, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about App State these days. I don't know if they're, you know, the the same team they were back when they were winning national titles in Division Two, but uh, they look to have some talent, and and obviously they they went in there and gave Penn State everything they could handle. I have been on the I have been on the on board all year with 
the thought that Penn State was going to take a big step back this year, losing a, a, a back like Saquon Barkley, losing an, a, a monster tight end like Mike Gesicki, and who, you know, I don't know what he's going to do in the NFL, but he was a problem for everybody in college. And then Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator who made them, you know, look unstoppable at times last year, all gone. I think they're going to be, you know, maybe third or fourth in the Big Ten. And, you know, App State might have exposed some of those things yesterday. So we'll see how they do moving forward. But, uh, yeah, coming in ranked number 10 and going to overtime with App State is probably not how they uh, they saw that first game playing out. Yeah, I think I think we can read some into this, especially with how we've seen Penn State handle non-conference games in the past where they got in trouble for – kicking field goals or not kicking field goals. Uh, App State does have talent. Uh, they got a couple guys on their roster that transferred in this year from Kansas State, uh, Corey Sutton and Dominique Keith, who I remember from high school. Uh, they actually have a guy on their defense who's named Bear Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect for the, uh, the Appalachian Mountains there. It's B-A-E-R. Uh, I'm going to have to use him. You know, you know, at, at parties, Coach, I use recruiting stories to really wow the crowd with, with players' oh, names. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, I guess you've been there, huh? Yeah, you, you know, I'm a legendary storyteller, so uh, I might add Bear Hunter when I pull up the old uh, Lion King and other uh, funny names uh, out of the hat the next time uh, I get invited to a party, which is uh, becoming less and less. Uh, you know, <laughs> the older I get, I think you. I'm worried if I'm a Penn State fan, though. I'm with you. Uh, I kind of expected them to do well. I wasn't sure, you know, how they would replace Barkley, but I thought he, I thought he would be replaceable. The the, the bigger question may be Moorhead. Now, now they go into this game with Pitt, which is a rivalry, not a rivalry. Well, I forget what the controversy is there. Uh, and then they got a couple of layups with Kent State and Illinois, who who actually played each other this week in an entertaining game. And then they got a. <laughs> they got to play Ohio State and Michigan State back to back, so they got a couple weeks to work it out. But I think that Pitt game is going to be uh, going to be tougher than expected, especially considering it's at Heinz Field. There should be a packed house; should be fun. All right, now, Coach, the big game, the game of the week. Uh, what happened? Notre Dame, Michigan. The Irish win twenty four seventeen. Shea Patterson uh, in and out. What do you, what do you have? Cramps? Do you, uh, yeah, he was cramping up pretty bad. Had to get an IV. I mean, he's from. He's supposed to be from the South. What happened? You're not supposed to be cramping up in, in Indiana. I don't care how hot it was. Uh, I saw he was just getting hammered on Twitter, which was, you know, I feel like a little bit unwarranted. He, he struggled at times. I felt like the offensive line really struggled. So break it down for us. You watched every snap of this game. So, so tell, us, uh, tell us why Notre Dame won and what, and what went wrong. Yeah, it was kind of just, you know, the way it started, Notre Dame jumped out to a 14-0 lead early, and that was surprising. Michigan's defense is vaunted. It's supposed to be, you know, Don Brown's fastest defense he's ever had, all these returning guys. They only had to replace a couple off of the number three overall defense last year, and it just didn't really start out that way. And so Notre Dame got up early, 14-0, and then it was 21-3, to and Michigan's offense just could not find a rhythm. Shea Patterson went 20 for 30, uh, 225 yards or 27 yards, and looked pretty good at times did a lot of things that we didn't see Michigan quarterbacks do last year so there's definitely some things to build on but not a lot of put not a lot of throws downfield um no touchdown passes receivers just couldn't quite get separation which everybody was hoping that would be different with Jim McElwain coaching the receivers this year so um the rushing attack wasn't super strong it was just it was a lot of what we saw last year a lot of what Michigan fans were hoping would be fixed and it just didn't seem to be you know 24 to 17 was the final um, you know, today a lot of people are just saying, like, this is year four under Harbaugh. Why can't the O-line block anybody? 
Why can't quarterbacks, you know, throw the ball down the field? It's been, I saw this, I saw this tweet earlier today. It has literally been a year since a Michigan wide receiver has caught a touchdown pass. Like that's insane. Like army and Navy and other air force do better than that. So I don't know, man, it's, it's frustrating to watch um, as a, you know, as a Michigan fan and as somebody who covers the team for a living, <laughs> the message board was a brutal place last night, but uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it is a it is a, it is a situation where Notre Dame was the higher ranked team. They've got talent as well. They were at home. It was a night game, and Michigan lost by seven. It's not the end of the world, but it's some of the issues that we saw last year that were supposedly supposed to be fixed with a new strength and conditioning coach, some changes on the offensive staff, Shea Patterson being there, older receivers, a lot of talent, and it just looked like more of the same. So, you know, I watched some of that uh, Michigan show on Amazon. And which I was mad because it came out so late after everything that happened. It just, I didn't really, it's like a spoiler alert. You already know how the season turned out. Mm. But, uh, you know, I found it interesting. I, I forgot how good Tariq Black was at the beginning of last year uh, when watching that show. And it seemed like when he got hurt last year, it really tanked their whole season. Losing him, they lost him when and over the last week. Probably they didn't have much time to, to know he was going to be out for the year. Yeah, big, about that, about a week or so. Yep. How big of an impact do you think that had? Because you look at it, and Nico Collins, who famously Adam Friedman said, if if he's not a five star, I don't know what is. So I mean, obviously a talented receiver. He led them in receiving, and they have a couple other guys that are pretty good, Donovan Peoples Jones. But uh, we saw, you know, the, their entire 2016 receiver class, I think, is already gone. How how big was it? Uh, how big was it to lose black? And do you think that had an impact here on how things shook out? I mean, I think it's obviously a big deal. He's a talented kid. He was emerging as the number one receiver last year as a true freshman, but it doesn't matter if the line can't block anybody. I mean, Patterson was running for his life. I've seen several screenshots today where it's like literally four or five Olay blocks across the whole front of the line. Like both guards, both tackles are chasing defensive linemen. Like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know why that's happening in year four under Harbaugh when you've got guys up front that are in their third and fourth year, fifth year in uh, in the right tackles case. Juwan Bushelbade is a fifth year senior. You've got guys playing at both guard spots who started last year. Cesar Ruiz, who I think is going to be very good down the line, is just a sophomore, but I mean he's as good as they get, you know, athletically and football IQ wise playing center. Um, left tackle seems to be a real issue. John Runyon Jr. just doesn't look like he's going to be able to get it done there. I. I yeah, I, th- I think about other matchups they're going to have this year. Like the idea of John Runyon Jr. at left tackle and Juwan Bushelbady at right tackle trying to block uh, Nick Bosa and Chase Young for Ohio State. Like that might be just a bloodbath. Like it's gonna it's it's gonna be pathetic. So I, I, until they get that fixed, I don't care if it's if it's Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, and Julio Jones playing receiver. Like Patterson is running for his life and he doesn't have any time to let any deep or even intermediate route trees develop. It was a lot of dink and dunk. You mentioned Nico Collins. He had the only long reception of the whole game. I think it was 52 yards, but it's going to be trouble if they can't, you know, they can't keep Patterson clean. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to watch and see if they can bounce back. I do. I did just feel. I felt like I said to uh, to Nick at some point during the game that I felt like you know Patterson looks like he had a little bit of happy feet, sort of, and and you don't want that to happen where a guy's so used to getting pressured he turns into old uh, you know Joey Harrington or. Uh, David Carr, where he's he's been hit so many times that he he panics early, and you know obviously I know Shea and his family and and everything like that, uh, and you know I root for him to succeed much like I do a lot of these you know individual players that that we've known over the years. So it definitely looked like he was frustrated. 
I, I would be curious to see what happened. It seemed like he looked so much better when he came back. Obviously, he fumbled on the last drive. But, uh, you know, if he doesn't get knocked out, I mean, it, it, you're, you make the point that, you know, it was 24-17. They had the ball at midfield when he fumbled. I just think, you know, and Tariko was talking about this during the broadcast. I mean, they were pretty laissez-faire running that no huddle. It seems like they let a lot of time run off the clock. And I think Patterson thrives in like a hurry-up type situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing them try to uh try to work on that because that that was definitely tough to watch it was it was so bad watching that and then reading the comments on the message board and on twitter like first of all if you have time to be commenting on the message board and tweeting things out in between snaps when you got less than a minute to play like i don't i don't understand what they're doing and then it's like you're literally watching the game and there are dozens of teams across the country that on their every down first quarter type of offense are snapping the ball quicker than Michigan was last night down seven with a minute 20 to go. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I remember I was watching the, I was watching the game with my buddy that was, that was over. And I was like, does Harbaugh think there's a fifth quarter or something? Like, well, I don't understand what's happening. Like there's no urgency. And like you said, Patterson, you know, that's what he's, that's what he ran. He ran a little bit more of a no huddle up tempo type of thing at Ole Miss as a youngster and kind of even get dating back to his high school days. Never really was under center very often. Always in the shotgun. Always kind of freewheeling a little bit. That's his game. And yeah, they weren't really doing that last night when they needed to. And you know, it's unfortunate that he fumbled at the end and didn't really get a chance to, you know, to make that final push once they got a little closer. But not a lot of urgency even before that. All right. So moving on, we'll see how both teams recover from there. I still, I still like Michigan. I didn't realize the O line was going to struggle like that, though, and that, like you said, against some of the matchups they have coming up, that uh, that makes me nervous. So, uh, USC number fifteen, they beat UNLV forty three twenty one in a game that was uh, much closer than people thought. I think it was nineteen to fourteen at halftime. Uh, JT Daniels and Amon Ross St. Brown, two five star true freshmen, put on a show. Daniels uh, two hundred eighty two yards passing. Amon Ross ninety eight yards and a touchdown. Also had a run. Uh, for 12 yards. So, so great game for them. Uh, they get the win and move on. I, I don't think we need to talk much more about it. I didn't see, I did not see one minute of that game to be <laughs> honest with you, but kind of cool to see those guys. Um, the freshman you mentioned, just because I've seen him at so many events and you know, that's, that's some young kids. I mean, JT Daniels still supposed to be in high school. So that's, that's pretty neat to see that. Uh, TCU beat Southern 55 to seven. Uh, nothing really to talk about here. Sean Robinson had a good game, 17 of 24, 182 yards and three touchdowns. He's a very controversial figure on this podcast uh, with Nick Kruger, who took a beating from for a ranking as a three-star. So we will be following him, and we may have uh, an Outside the Lines storyline update on Nick Kruger potentially being blocked on Twitter by uh, a Big 12 uh, head coach. So <laughs> you know, The only intrigue I had in that game, I didn't watch it, but obviously the score is really lopsided and was from the beginning, is that Ohio State plays TCU in a couple of weeks. Really the only contest they have with Urban Meyer being on suspension. So there was a little intrigue for some Big Ten fans watching that one just to see how good TCU is and uh, eh, look pretty impressive. But, you know, Southern, eh, not going to get a lot of resistance. Right, exactly. West Virginia beats Tennessee 40-14, to a game that was relatively close uh, early. Uh, It looked like West Virginia was going to come out and blow them out. Then Tennessee kind of buckled down. It was 13-7 to at halftime. Uh, then the old uh, lightning delay came in, and by the time uh, that cleared up, West Virginia just rolled them in the third quarter. Will Greer had a huge game, 429 yards passing, five touchdowns. I mean, I think he set a West Virginia record, which uh, if you consider – or it might have been just a career high for him. Either way, they throw the ball nonstop, so any records that they set are going to be bad. And 
you know, talk about people being mad on the message boards. The Tennessee fans were, were livid. And uh, listen, guys, you've got to chill for a little bit. And that's what I keep telling people. You know, when Pruitt was hired, I said, you know, they're going to be lucky to make a bowl game. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. Uh, we all picked against him on this podcast. So people who listen, uh, nothing, nothing unexpected there. Uh, it, it was ugly. Tennessee's got so many, you know, their secondary so young especially at corner. I think it's going to be a long season against any passing teams. And their first, their next test will be against uh, Florida in a couple of weeks. West Virginia, Will Greer definitely going to be in the Heisman hunt, but they can't, they can't loaf around like they did in the first half because if they're playing a better team, they might've been losing uh, going to halftime. Did you check this one out at all, coach? So I didn't watch it really, um, but I followed it. So <laughs> little side story real quick and I'll, I'll be, I'll be fast here. My dad and I, do a college fantasy football against each other have been for about eight years each week we pick three guys a quarterback a running back a receiver and once we use that player we can't use him again for the rest of the year but anyway my dad's picks yesterday were quarterback will greer and wide receiver david sills so needless to say i lost yesterday by a lot uh and uh yeah will greer up over 400 yards five touchdowns that's crazy he's probably going to do stuff like that just about week in and week out so um yeah, I didn't watch it on TV, but I was following along with the stat line and was, uh, you know, realizing I was going to get beat from pretty much the beginning of that one. Well, you know, you can play uh, fantasy football, uh, college fantasy football on Yahoo Sports, Coach. So maybe that's right. That's a big. That's a big thing. I told my dad about that. I said I looked like we we had this idea a while ago, but <laughs> obviously we didn't come up with fantasy football. But that's pretty neat that. That's a that's an option now either Yahoo and I don't know have you have you dabbled yet or, or is um, that not your thing? Yeah, there, I think there is a couple of rivals leagues I did not sign up in time just because uh, I got a lot going on over here and uh, I, I have I've quit fantasy football which frees up my weekends. You know I got gar- you know, got my garden to take care of uh, and if it comes down to those two I'm picking the garden every time. So the garden, Woody the gardener. I love I love the snaps, dude. I don't know if I don't know if your podcast listeners know about it, but it's it's. It's a it's a sight to behold. How impressed were you with those three cantaloupes I sang you the other day? <laughs> Man, right so impressed. Right next to each other. I told I told the air conditioner because the, the cantaloupes grow next to the air conditioner, and I told them, hey, uh, hey, hey, let's uh, watch what you're doing here. Do not mess with the cantaloupes. Uh, all right, moving on. Mississippi State beat Stephen F. Austin sixty three to six, and. Uh, uh, Keaton Thompson, my boy, who I famously shot up in the rankings into the top 50 after watching him late uh, that year in his class, had seven touchdowns, had 364 yards passing, 109 yards rushing, uh, tied a school record uh, with with Dak and uh, Nick Fitzgerald, uh, seven touchdowns in a game. Amazing performance there. Uh, you mentioned Joe Moorhead. I think Mississippi State might be pretty good. I think they're going. we might have some fun games when they play, you know, the Alabamas and Auburns of the world. Uh, that offense is going to be fun, and I mean they get they get some athletes, and you know they've kind of had a trend for that. You mentioned Dak, you mentioned Fitzgerald, and now this this Thompson kid. I don't know anything about Mississippi State. I don't know anything about that that quarterback, but with that with that offense and and what his skill set seems to be, being able to throw and run, and you know sixty three points, even though it is Stephen F. Austin, yeah, they'll 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 surprise some people. They'll probably win a game they shouldn't win this year. That would be my guess. All right, moving on. Uh, Boise State beats Troy fifty six to twenty on the road. This was a game that actually I I like Troy to cover. I think it was a ten point spread. I thought Boise State coming down to play in the heat would you know pull a Shea Patterson and, and need IVs. <laughs> but uh, I was wrong. I guess it's it's pretty warm in the old uh, Pacific Northwest this time of year, and uh, they did a good job coming down there beating them fifty six twenty. Nothing much to to write about that. Uh, 
Boise, uh, not Boise, as I'll often tell you, they're going to be in the mix for the old uh, group of five uh, slot in the big bowl game. Them and UCF look like the two candidates right now. And both of those teams should be inside the top 20, uh, in my opinion. Last but not least, Texas and Maryland. Maryland gets the win 34-29. Honestly, this game probably shouldn't have even been that close. Maryland kind of melted down right before halftime with a uh, safety. And then and I think they, get, they give a safety and a touchdown. Before the half? Yeah, 15 points in the second quarter for yeah. Texas, so that sounds right. Yeah, it was ugly there, but Maryland holds on to win. They played a couple of quarterbacks. Former number one overall player, Byron Cowart, playing a defensive end for, for the Terps, was all over the place. He was really getting after the uh, Texas quarterbacks, and even on the last play of the game, he was in the face of Sam Ellinger, and he was drawing double teams, holding penalties. I couldn't believe it. I looked at the box score. They didn't credit him with one quarterback hurry, uh, but then I did do a search on Twitter where I found some uh, of these you know, NFL draft uh, geeks talking about how well he played and graded out in the game. So uh, he's back. Byron's back. Can you believe it? You had him left for dead, Coach. I mean, just for going back to what he was as a recruit, this dude looked like the – I mean, he looked like one of the most can't-miss prospects there was. I mean, I remember – it's not in my region. I didn't see him in person a lot. I think maybe – I can't remember when that was. That might have been just before I, I started with Rivals, but following recruiting, he just – he looked like a sure thing, kind of surprising that he wasn't. But now it looks like he's going to get his, you know, second chance at Maryland, and apparently he's going to do something with it because, uh, you know, if – Texas has got bodies and they've got athletes too, but he was he was dominant, like you said, and made a made a lot of uh, made a lot of issues for Texas in that game. And how about the Terps, man? Two years in a row beating Texas. I don't know if anybody thought it would happen again, but uh, you know, props to them for for putting uh, putting another another win up there for them against a Big Twelve opponent. Yeah, no way that Texas thought they were going to lose both of these games when they scheduled the home and home uh, long ago. Whenever that was, probably you know in two thousand five, with the way these scheduling updates come out, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know Texas Texas shouldn't have been ranked. I'm sorry, they shouldn't have been in the top 25. They were number 23. They lost, and you know Texas fans have every right to be upset. But it's kind of like Tennessee. It's like you know you guys, you're not just going to be good like tomorrow. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And I know Rob will say that he's always on the Tom Herman is overrated. We don't know if he's a good coach. And I guess what we we might not. Um, I'm trying to see how Texas's schedule shakes out, but this was again. I think a lot of people counted as a win coming up. They get, they play Tulsa next week, and then they got to play USC at home, and then they got TCU right after that. So, I mean, there's a possibility of them being two and two or one and one and three, and at that point, I think things would would potentially get ugly. So, eesh. Uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things with Texas. I mean, covering Michigan and growing up in Michigan, being a Michigan fan as a kid, you know, Michigan was always pretty good when I was growing up. They've obviously had a, a pretty big skid here in the last decade, really, if you want to go back that far in conference and not winning titles and not being able to beat Ohio State and all the things they've dealt with. And I would imagine it's just as bad for Texas, maybe worse, because I I just don't understand how Texas isn't good. Like, you can throw a rock out the window and hit a kid that's that can play football in the state of Texas. I don't know why, you know, they've got talent, they recruit well, but you, Texas can't be losing to Maryland two years in a row like that just can't happen I don't know I don't know much about Tom Herman I know he was you know kind of the sexy hire when it when it happened but 
man, I can't imagine what the Texas fans must be dealing with because I see it with Michigan fans for sure. Well, and the, the frustrating, the, you know, the frustrating part is obviously there's a ton of stuff going on at Maryland and the, the, they're without their coach and the, the, you know, the players there did nothing wrong. So obviously it was a tragic situation with the death of a player. But I mean, I, I mentioned on our preview podcast, I was covering UCF the year that Eric Plancher died and I saw it take a, a bad toll on the team and really kind of derail their whole season. It doesn't look like that's going to happen with Maryland. The, the, they, they have a decent team. I, I, I really like them prior to all that news coming out in terms of where they were as, uh, you know, prognosticating for the season. So I don't know, man, but it's, it's bad for Texas. So um, we'll, we'll be following that one. Moving on, last but not least, again, Monday night, Virginia Tech and Florida State. I picked this game already, Coach. I picked uh, the Knowles, I think, to win and, and cover – and cover the spread? No, I picked them to uh, I picked them to win, but not cover the spread. The spread is seven. Uh, what's your What's your pick on that one, Coach? Yeah, I'll say Florida State at home. Uh, you know, too many athletes. DeAndre Francois coming back. You know, we'll see how he how he comes back from injury. Um, I don't know. You know, I think uh, I think Florida State's one of those teams that's a little overrated year in and year out. But they, man, they just have so many talented players. You look up and as someone who works in the world of recruiting, you look up and down the roster and it's just littered with, with, with star power and guys who, who should be making plays. And, you know, Virginia Tech's kind of the opposite of that. They're kind of one of those teams that doesn't recruit on that level, but just maintains a, a steady level of success. But I think first game of the year, uh, down in Tallahassee, I think Florida State wins. And I, I think they probably cover. I think they win by about 10 or 13 points. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I like Florida State uh, as the weekend's gone along, and I'm sure I'll be uh, watching that one very closely. And as will you. That wraps it up for us, Coach. I know I told you 20 minutes. We went 45. Whoops. Uh, I did get some feedback this past week, people saying, uh, when are you going to do a regular episode of the podcast? Stop talking about football so much. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how people like this one. But uh, we'll, we will be back with a regular episode on Thursday. We're going to try to do these every Sunday. If you like them, if you have some feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, tweeted us uh, you can follow coach brown uh, which i believe i do not do on twitter uh, uh that was what a development that was when i found out that woody doesn't even follow me on twitter anymore got got to unfollow during the jordan uniform reveal uh, a couple of years ago and i put some good stuff out there but i just i can't get him back i can't get him back on the train if you want to follow him if you're a michigan fan or you just like uh to see me make fun of him it's bsb underscore wolverine uh great michigan coverage there from our friends at the wolverine coach brown spearheading everything on the recruiting front uh hey listen you better than lackford i had to block lackford on twitter this week he's blocked it's so funny that you just because my my sign off I was running through it in my head just now as you were kind of closing out here I was going to say yeah I don't know if I brought the pizzazz of a Dave Lackford but uh, thanks for having me on and and there it is there's the Lackford mention you cannot can't go a day without talking about that guy man he's just uh, he's he's one of a kind he's he's currently blocked on Twitter for trolling me via direct message about Rondell Moore hey hey uh, hey Lackford I know Lackford's listening how many yards did uh, Rondell Moore have in the second half of that game. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk about the first half, but uh, I'm just saying it's a marathon, not a sprint, right, Coach? <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> okay. Lackford, shout out to Lack. <laughs> All right. That wraps it up for us. We'll be back on Thursday. Hopefully, uh, me and Rob and Nick, Nick and I will be together this week briefly, so maybe we'll record then. Uh, Doing all what to expect, but tell a friend, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.